Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. It is Wednesday afternoon. It has just gone 2 o'clock, a few minutes after 2. And wonderful to be with you on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg, here in the beginning of what is known as the three weeks. Yes, three weeks of mourning, three weeks of sadness. And in fact, during these three weeks, we not only read several parshiot, parshas that always align with these three weeks, but we read three special prophecies. I'd like to quote to you something from the very first one. The first one is the one that we're going to be reading after the Torah reading on this coming Shabbat. And of course, if you're at home, not attending shul in parts of the country where it is still um, uh, possible or um, in places around the world where it's still possible. I don't think it's really possible anywhere in our country at the moment. But the idea of um, attending shul doesn't mean that we shouldn't still relate to the parshiot, the parshas, as well as to the haftorahs that are read at this time. There are three special haftorah, haftorahs that are read during the three weeks. And the first one comes from the book of Yirmiyahu. Divrei Yirmiyahu. It is always read on um, this uh, parsha. Sorry, I am skipping. It is Shimudvar Hashem, which comes from Yirmiyahu, which is read on the second Shabbos. Yes, Divrei Yirmiyahu, Ben Chilkiyahu, is read on this Shabbos. Sorry, my pages flipped here. It's what happens when you're trying to work out outside of a studio. The pages flipped and I was on the wrong uh, Haftorah right here in front of me. But we talk about Divrei Yirmiyahu, the words of Jeremiah, taken from Jeremiah 1. And there is a fascinating little piece, which I'd like to begin with today, which says, the word of God came to me, let's just do it in the English, the word of God came to me saying, what do you see, Yirmiyahu, in your vision? I see a stick from an almond tree, I said. You have seen well, God said to me. The almond which grows quickly is a sign that I will put my word into action speedily. What are we talking about here and why is this so appropriate for this period of time? There are those sages who tell us that, in fact, what we're looking at here is the impending destruction, the terrible things that Yirmiyahu is going to tell the Jewish people. If you don't shape up, you're going to <laughs> suffer the consequences. Things are going to get terrible. There's going to be bad stuff. We're predicting downfalls. We're predicting destructions of the, the temple, etc., 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 which this period of time all comes to mirror and for us to commemorate and think about. But we have to take a look at what is quoted by Rashi from the Midrash Echa, which tells us that, in fact, we are we need to focus the fact that he doesn't here say, I'm looking at a stick. A stick could be something that is hard, that is unrelenting, that is punishing, that we're thinking about the destructive sticks and stones that could break the bones of the people who um, fall foul of uh, the marauding kings who are going to come and destroy uh, Jerusalem, come and destroy the temple. But in fact, it is Dafka, says Yirmiyahu, the um, almond stick, a stick of an almond tree. What is special? Says Rashi, quoting the Midrash, what is special about the almond? The almond, we're told, is something that blossoms very quickly and it ripens very quickly. In fact, we're told that from the time of the blossom appearing on the stick of the blossom of the uh, almond tree, you have almonds coming out within exactly 21 days. 21 days later, 
the almonds are ready for eating. This is something absolutely amazing. Think of that speed from blossom to fruit that is edible. 21 days. It's some kind of a, a, uh, a, a biological and a scientific record. This is something fascinating. And in fact, they say that this is what Yirmiyahu was telling us. That while we may be looking at the sticks and the stones and the difficulties and the problems and the issues, just remember we're talking about the speed with which rebirth can happen, the speed with which things can turn around, the speed with which things can change. And the image of the almond, the almond being an image that was even used in the uh, times of the Mishkan, in the times of the tabernacle, to talk about uh, the fruitfulness and to talk about the idea of uh, prosperity and to talk about uh, the ones who were chosen by Hashem to be the Kohanim, the priests and so on in the image in the Parsha of Korach we have this concept of almonds being something that happens very, very swiftly and that instead of focusing on the punishing stick let's focus on the beautiful fruit, instead of focusing on the sadness and the, um, the mournfulness Let's focus on where it should all be leading us. And that perhaps is a theme that I'd like to develop with you today as we think about and we talk about this period of time that we're in right now, the period of what is known as the three weeks. And let's just pause right there and emphasize that we call this play, this time the three weeks. We talk about it as the three weeks. Yes, we do talk about the nine days which uh, we go into from Rosh Chodesh, Menachem Av, up until Tisha B'Av, the latter part of these three weeks, but the first part, and in fact the whole thing is called the three weeks. That's the way that we refer to it in English. Yes, it's called Bein HaMetzarim in Hebrew, between the limits, between the limitations, and we've got great limitations at this time, but we're between these two uh, rocks and hard places, which are the 17th of Tammuz, which was on Sunday, and um, followed up three weeks later by Tisha B'Av, which will be on Sunday in two weeks' time, we have this um, a story of uh, death, of destruction, of um, despair, of horrible, negative, sad and bad stuff. And it's this period of time that we term the three weeks. And the question that is often asked is why don't we refer to it as the 21 days? Why do we talk about it as the three weeks? And they say because we need to focus on the number three. And the number three is really the uh, ultimate um, um, vindication and the ultimate uh, emphasis of this whole period of time is to arrive at a time when we will see the third Beit HaMikdash. We've had Beit HaMikdash number one, which lasted for 410 years and which was destroyed by the Babylonians. We have um, Temple number two. The second Beit HaMikdash, which lasted for 420 years and was destroyed by the Romans, and we have ever since been in exile, but we have the uh, beautiful, beautiful Beit HaMikdash Ashlishi, the third temple, which is waiting to descend, which is waiting to be presented to us when Mashiach will come and when we'll be out of this despair of diaspora and will be into the uh, uh, whole uh, period of time of Geula, of redemption and the wonderful, wonderful uh, result of what Bashiach will bring this is the period of time that we are in at the moment and our focus needs to be directed it needs to be directed a little bit away from the sadness, the gloom 
the um, uh, downtrodden kind of uh, browbeaten uh, feeling that uh, very often can pervade and certainly at a difficult time, uh, for instance, the time that we're going through at the moment with uh, COVID and all these terrible things, tragedies that are occurring to our people around the world, we need to focus on the three, the third. The three weeks will bring Mashiach. The three weeks will bring the third Beit HaMikdash. And it's at the end of those three weeks that all of this really, really can, should, and must happen. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, welcome back. We're in the discussion about the three weeks that we're in at the moment. And as we mentioned, the idea of calling it the three weeks rather than by any of the other names, has this beautiful positive connotation of the fact that we are actually, during this time, praying most fervently, thinking about most specifically the building of the third Beit HaMikdash, the third temple, the number three, is one that carries this weight and significance and beautiful positive energy that we actually should be focusing on at this stage. Let's perhaps address this from a little bit of a different perspective. You know, if you study in the Talmud in various places, and uh, one of the most uh, prevalent and well-known is um, in the Talmud in Megillah, where we talk about um, the idea of um, stages of mourning. It's uh, weird that uh, the Talmud works that way. You can be in the midst of a discussion about the reading of Megillah and Purim, but then we see how this could clash with something that has to do with um, making of eulogies and attending funerals and so on. And so there's a discussion that ensues about various dimensions of mourning that actually are mentioned in the Talmud in that place. And one of the things that strangely is mentioned there is the idea of the fact that in olden times they used to do a um, a, 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 a process of um, mourning at the time of a funeral where they had hired professional mourners. Now, it sounds like it comes out of a storybook, and it sounds like it could be part of a comic um, kind of an event, the idea of the professional mourners who hired to cry and to wail, but there were professional mourners. There were people who were hired to cry and to wail at the funerals and to create an atmosphere of uh, sadness, of uh, of uh, terrifying screams that uh, kind of got people sending uh, shivers down their spines and getting them to cry as well. But if we think, if we pause for a moment and just think about that, uh, the idea of having to hire professional mourners perhaps tells us something important about ourselves. And that is that we are not professional mourners. When they needed people to wail and to cry, when they needed professional mourners, those professional mourners had to be professionals. They had to be people who perhaps were good actors or actresses as they were. They were um, people who uh, could uh, put on a good show and who could cry and so on. And those were people who were hired for uh, these events in order to create that atmosphere of mourning. Now, let's flip that around and say that the reason possibly is reading between the lines, that we actually are not professional mourners. We are professional positive energy people. We are professionals at being happy. In fact, that is the mainstay of Jewish life, that we're supposed to be in a state of joy, of happiness always, even when it comes to things that are tinged with, that are fraught with sadness. 
We always need to be focusing on the good. We always need to be focusing on the positive. We always need to be focusing on the great result rather than looking at the sadness, at the distraction, at the negativity of um, this kind of dire atmosphere that we're in. We have to be focusing on Mashiach. We have to be focusing on the building of the Beit HaMikdash. We have to be focusing on that positive energy. Now, why? That is because this is the way we are wired. This is in our spiritual DNA. This is the way Hashem made us, that we're supposed to have this positive outlook and this positive energy all the time. When from time to time we hit some snags, we hit some bumps, we've got some difficulties that we need to overcome, and let's not in any way God forbid, undermine the trauma, the difficulties, the tragedies, and so on. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fact that even when there is this dearth of um, sadness, of destruction, of um, negative energy in the entire world, the job of each and every one of us, the way we are positioned in this world, is not to be professional mourners. Just to sit down and wail and cry and uh, think about everything only in negative terms, that's not Jewish. That's not for us. If we're thinking about a primary lesson on Judaism 101.9, which I'd like to share with you today, it is that we are not professional mourners. We are professional happy people. We are professional positive energy people. We are professional um, looking for the good kind of people. That is our trade. That is what we as Jews are truly, absolutely all about. And so during the time of mourning, we are meant to be focusing on where this is going to lead rather than what it is in and of itself. To continually focus back on the past is something that is important but that's not the final ask of this period of time. It is not what is actually the only thing that is required from us. Yes, we've got to look back. Yes, we need to understand the destruction in order to really understand what it is that we've lost. We need to understand what it is that we have got to look forward to. But there's got to always be that notion of looking forward. Let's bring you another example. When people are in the throes of mourning for a departed loved one, when people, God forbid, find themselves in the situation where they are sitting Shiva, one of the concepts, one of the things about the sitting of Shiva is that it gives one an opportunity to cancel out all what I'd like to call the noise of the world that's going on around to kind of get off for a while, put yourself into a soft, padded, cocoon-like uh, place, which we call Shiva, and there you sit together with your daily beloveds, your family and other mourners. And we there can, A, grieve. But the grieving is not an end in itself. It's grieving in order to be able to move on in life. And hopefully we have the opportunity when uh, we're sitting Shiva, uh, God forbid, when a person who has been through it will know exactly what we're talking about, that you have the opportunity to reflect not just on the last days of that individual, perhaps when they were in a state of suffering, perhaps when they were in a state whereby they didn't have all of their faculties, perhaps when they were really, really ill, to be able to go back 
in their lives and look at all the bright points, to look at all the wonderful things that happened, to remember the good times. There is absolutely nothing wrong in a house of mourning, and it's very often the case that there is a chuckle, a little bit of laughter, a smile that is brought when one thinks of a good time, when one thinks of the positive energy that that particular individual brought. Now, where would you rather be or where do we rather want to go with these periods of mourning is that it gives us a framework within which, yes, and we need to grieve. And yes, of course, we're human beings and we do miss those who we have lost and we think about uh, the sadness or the tragedies or the difficulties that they may have gone through, that we have gone through having lost them. But the main focus is how can we actually take the things that they stood for, integrate them into our lives and make our lives a little bit better because we knew them, because we follow in the things that they taught us, because we have the opportunity to take the great and wonderful positive lessons that they left behind for us, those who have survived them, that we have the opportunity to move forward with that renewed energy because of them. It is a completely different spin on the idea of mourning. Many years ago when we were starting off at uh, Chabad House with uh, um, a lecture series and so on, one of the topics that I can remember clearly that we uh, put forward on a Mashiach campaign was the concept of mourning uh, versus mourning. It had to do with uh, this period of time now where we talk about mourning. Is it mourning or mourning? M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G or is it M-O-R-N-I-N-G? What is really the difference? The difference is really the you. There is a you that makes all the difference. In other words, you can turn things around. You can take anything of a sadness and you can look at it as being something that is now going to define you, that you're going to be confined in that space and unable to move out of there. Or you can remove yourself from it a little bit and see the morning. You can see the sunrise again and you can see the uh, beautiful world that Hashem has created and we can see the positive energy that those people who we are thinking about, who we are mourning, have taught us and we can carry that forward into the future. And it's in honor of them that we can then pick ourselves up and move into a much greater space because we've been through this period of mourning. So mourning is very much part of Jewish life, but it's not meant to be something that defines us. We are not defined by the stick. We're rather defined by the almonds. Yes, the almonds come from the stick. And yes, without the stick, there cannot be those almonds. And yes, we need uh, the uh, difficulty sometimes in order to uh, test our metal, in order to immunize us in some way against everything that the world will throw at us. But we need to never lose sight, never lose focus of where we are actually going, that we are headed towards a, a much greater, better and a finer kind of a life for having known what we know, for having gone through these difficulties, for appreciating what it is that we have lost. And we need to move into a realm whereby we can actually see the positive energy um, that these people who have uh, been lost and that have uh, gone before us and the difficulties and the problems and so on, we can build on that and we can become much better for that. Now, when we think about um, the times of the destruction of the Botemikdash or the temples that we really are focusing on during this period of, of the three weeks. Remember from the 17th of Tammuz was the time that the walls of Jerusalem were breached. Remember that Tisha B'Av in a couple of weeks time, um, two and a half weeks 
next time is actually the time of the destruction of not one but two, but they make two temples which were destroyed on the same day, uh, 500 uh, or close to 500 years apart. There was this um, incredible um, uh, limud, this incredible learning lesson that we need to take from it all, and that is that while there was a temple that was destroyed at first by Nebuchadnezzar, while there was a second temple that was destroyed by Titus, by the Romans, these temples, we needed to have their destruction in a way in order to clear the place for the building of the third Beit HaMikdash, which will be even greater, much greater. And we're reminded of this time and time and time again by our sages. We've got to remember that all hope is not lost. The fact that we, uh, from time to time, are so downcast and downtrodden and uh, feel so upset and depressed and sad, um, um, we, we dare not ever lose hope. We've got to always have that hope in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. We've got to always have the focus of things that we're looking forward to. We've got to always have that vision of the fact that very, very soon everything is going to spin around, everything is going to be changed. And as we're promised by our sages, these days are going to be turned around from being days of sadness gloom, doom and destruction into days of the greatest joy and celebration that ever was and that ever will be. We need to focus ourselves and our energies correctly. We've been through a very, very difficult period of time. Not only, as we said, this uh, period of time of COVID over the last year and a half, which has gone on for far too long and it's become something that has unfortunately hurt so many people in so many different ways and cost so many lives. And we think then about terrible tragedies that have befallen the Jewish people, whether they are the tragedies that happened in Eretz Yisrael in Israel, not only with the recent uh, war that there was there and the loss of life there, and not only that, but the story of Miron with the people who perished there in that terrible stampede that happened on um, um, on Lagba Omer, or the falling down of that uh, uh, stand where people were gathered in a shul in Eretz Yisrael, or this terrible, terrible, terrible event that's happened now this over this past week in Florida, in Miami, um, with uh, the terrible destruction and loss of life there. And our hearts go out to all of those people who are suffering and their families and their loved ones. But at the same time, we as Jews need to not belittle in any way the tragedy and the difficulty and the problems and the issues that people are confronting. But at the same time, we need to remain hopeful and we need to remain positive. And we need to know that um, Hashem has promised us that the same way as there's a stick, there will be an almond. In the same way as there is a very swift, God forbid, destruction, there will be a very, very speedy rebuilding. We'll be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. There is a passage in the Talmud, which we actually say every uh, so often, uh, many people say it every day, as part and coming at the end of what we know as the Ein Kelokeinu, which most people just sing out aloud on Shabbat. And at the end of it, we come to this passage that says, We say that Rabbi Elazar said in the name of Rabbi Hanina, Torah scholars increase peace in the world, he says, for it is said, and your children shall be learners of the Torah of the Lord, and great will be 
the peace of Banayich, your children. And then you will remember that it says, Al tikre Banayich ela Bonayich. Do not read it as your children, but rather your builders. Now in Hebrew it makes a lot of sense when you just take the words Banayich and Bonayich. It's just a matter of where you actually put the dot and the dash um, to uh, punctuate this particular word, Banayich, your children, or Bonayich, your builders. But we actually can learn a very, very important message from this all, which we uh, learn from this little piece, uh, important piece of rabbinic literature and part of our irregular prayers, that we as Jews are not only children, but we're builders. The concept of being a Jew is to be able to build. Building is something that we do when there is hope. Building is something that we do for a future. To set up and build something is uh, something that not only brings great joy, but it brings hope and it brings positive energy and it brings um, a, a peace to the world because people are focused in the right direction. When we talk about destruction, it is the very opposite of that. That is something that, unfortunately, as we saw in Florida this week, that, um, God forbid, happens when a building collapses, when a building falls down. Or when we think about the destruction of the Botamigdash or the temples, it was something that was carried out with a terrible, terrible intent on behalf of the Babylonians and the Romans. But we as Jews are not destroyers, and we don't revel in destruction. When we look at and we see fallen bricks, when we look at and we see fallen concrete, when we look at and we see the destruction, we need to know that our job is to build. And yes, we cannot go and rebuild a building that has fallen down that's beyond our scope, and it's not something that we can do, but we can build in our Torah learning, and we can build in our love for each other, and we can build in our mitzvot, and we can build in all the wonderful things that we can do for each other and for our community and for our families and for our country and for Israel and for the whole world to make this a much more solidly structured world, one that is not going to uh, teeter and topple, one that is not going to come crashing down uh, because it's going to be built properly and correctly with all the good uh, bases and with all the good foundations and with all the good and wonderful energy that we're going to put into it. This needs to be our focus. We're not professional mourners, but we're also not people who just accept that everything that happens just happens and then you can walk away from it and not be affected. Of course we cry and of course we mourn and of course we have the sadness and of course we... Uh, bemoan the fact and we think about the terrible, terrible pain and suffering. But our focus needs to be one of inspiration to rebuild, inspiration to pick up and to build in honor, in uh, credit to all of those who, God forbid, have suffered and have lost loved ones and so on. Our job is to build. And during this period of time, as we focus on the destruction of the temples, we need to be focusing on how we can rebuild. What can we do to build the third Beit HaMikdash? And may it come speedily in our time. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. 
many years ago when my late father was visiting the Lubavitcher Rebbe in New York, um, the Rebbe actually said to him, you are a Kohen and we're going to need you soon. Start learning the halachas, think, learn the things that you're going to need to know when Mashiach comes and what you've got to do as a Kohen in the Beit HaMikdash in the temple. We need to have that kind of a practical focus on the rebuilding. We've got to have that kind of practical focus of uh, where we're going and what we're doing with all of this time. And therefore, the Rebbe also instructed that uh, during this period of time, we should learn what is known as the Hilchas Beis Abachira. We should be learning the laws of the Beit HaMikdash, the laws of the temple, how it stood, where it stood, what it was all about, why it was there, what it was for, and the function of the Beit HaMikdash of the temple. We need to understand it all because by understanding it all, by thinking about it, by having that knowledge and by verbalizing it, there is only one more stage that has to happen, and that is the action. It's got to actually practically be done. And by speaking about things and by investing in this positive energy and by studying it all and by making it real in our minds, not just the destruction, but actually the concept of the building of the Beit HaMikdash, this actually is our shift of focus. And it's really what Judaism 101.9 um, instructs us to do on a regular basis. Let's be builders. We're not professional mourners. Let's be positive energy speakers and thinkers and doers. Let's be positive in everything that we do, other than, of course, um, being positive from a corona test. Um, but let's have a positive, positive outlook on everything all the time. Let's take days of mourning and turn them into days of focusing on what the future is going to bring. Let's remember to view the almond that grows on the tree rather than the stick itself. Let's look at it as something of prosperity, of uh, prosperousness, of uh, beauty, of grandeur, of wonderful, wonderful result, rather than looking at the stick that represents the hard grind, the difficulty, the stiffness, and the inability to be supple and flexible. Please, God, we should all be blessed that we should be able to focus on all of these good and wonderful things, that we should be able to see the, uh, the, the way out, and we should be able to see the way of the future. And we should understand that all of this that is surrounding us at the moment of darkness, of sadness, of difficulty, is just a, a reminder once again of just how much we need Mashiach and how much we need to understand that it is really, really, really just not even around the corner. It's right here and now. Let's hope and pray that very, very soon all of this uh, death, destruction, sadness, and uh, so on will come to an end. And Mashiach will come. There'll only be rebuilding. There'll only be rebirth. We'll only see the almonds rather than the sticks. Looking forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on another edition of Judaism 101.9. I want to wish you a great rest of the week and a great Shabbat up ahead and look forward to chatting with you again soon. Take care.